You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Stuffed. All right, I want to talk to you today about three kinds of stuff. The first one is just a straight up, I'm stuffed. It's just people who just don't know when to quit. And the danger, you know, I grew up going to church, and some of the churches I went to, I mean, I listened to some big preachers. And I don't mean they were well-known, they were big, you know. And what always was amazing to me is when a big preacher got up and started talking about gluttony. I was like, now how's he doing that? You know, you know pick something that's not so obvious. Now, my doctor tells me, you know, I weigh I'm about six, what am I, six, two-ish, I weigh about 230, and he tells me I need to lose about 30 pounds. I'm like, I have to have a walker, I think, you know, but he says that's my optimum weight, so I don't, you know, I couldn't stand in the wind if I weighed 35 pounds, I don't think. But it's hard, you know, I don't feel overweight or anything, but when you get up and talk about, you know, I'm stuffed and people in food, then people who may be a little overweight kind of feel self-conscious, and then all the people in the room start, well, I bet this is for them. You know, you start looking down the aisle. No, it's for all of us, because your metabolism may be a little different, but you can still be a pig and not look like one, okay? So here we go. If someone is stuffed, it's simply the definition is to overeat, to gorge, to cram with food. We do it to our turkeys, and we've even figured out how to do it to our Oreos. Now it's, you know, that little... They're double stuffed now because it wasn't like that sugar was enough. I mean, this has nothing to do maybe with anything, but I had a little birthday party at our house the other day and had Oreos out, and I found plates. The little kids had Oreos on them, and it looked like they hadn't eaten anything. They had popped them open, scraped the white filling out, and stacked them back up. And I was like, why don't we just shoot you up with the cream instead of wasting money on the Oreos? You know, they're just... Like no one stops doing that as an adult. Turn to Proverbs chapter 23. And if you're listening out there on the radio or on an iPod or something, the problem is not with your set, it's with my voice, so please do not try to adjust your set. Proverbs 23 and verse 19 and following says this, Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. And you say, well, what? You know, it's in the Bible. Don't run with those people. Obviously, you're not supposed to run with those people. Then don't be one of those people. Now, it's easy to pick on people who are overweight, and there's all kind of strat, you know, people do research and all this stuff, and if someone walks in with a big fat suit on, they don't get weighted on, all these horrible things that happen. Stop judging somebody by the way they look, okay? You really don't know, and just because you can hide your little problem doesn't make you better than them. You don't have that struggle. I mean, there's some struggles. I told somebody the day at lunch, I said, you know, you could pile up 50 pounds of cocaine on this table, and I'd go, well, get a dustpan, I'd clean this mess up. It would do absolutely nothing to me. 
But maybe for some people, food is just like a drug to them. And when they see that food or are alone with that food, it's just, it's something. And the problem is it manifests in their life in a different way than maybe your sin, your struggle manifests. So instead of judging someone for the way they look, why don't we start praying for these people, you know? And be aware that maybe there's, you know, it could be a glandular problem. For me, the gland is my tongue. That's the gland that gives me trouble because I see food and think, you know, we're supposed to eat it. And I was raised where you ate everything on your plate. Anybody old school like that? So every time they bring a plate, you have to keep eating everything on that plate, you know. There's one verse. I'm going to give you, and this one isn't just about food, but Romans 14, verse 23. Turn over there. And this is one of the most powerful principles that I think I'll ever read to you out of the Bible. And I'm going to apply it here initially to food, but it's going to apply to a bunch of stuff. And a lot of people get concerned. They think, well, it sounds like sometimes there are gray areas in the Christian life. And listen close, because the truth of the matter is there are gray areas. It is not all black and white. There are truths that are black and white. But the Christian life is a process, and it is a growth process. And there are some things that some people can do, and it's perfectly okay. There's some things that other people cannot do. They just can't do it. It's not okay for them. Now, let me read you this verse, and you can go read around it for the sake of time later. But here it's talking about meat offered to idols. That was a big issue back in their day. If you had grown up in Rome or Corinth or wherever these places were, and you had... Pagan shrines had, you know, animals sacrificed to them. The priests in those places would take the meat that was sacrificed, that was brought, sell it in the market. So some people thought, you know what, I can't go to the market if I know that this vendor in the market, this butcher, has bought money from that shrine where I used to worship. I just can't eat that meat. It just messes my head, okay? Other people would go, who cares? It's just meat. They didn't think anything of it. So they could buy it and be fine. But here's the principle that Paul gives them. Verse 23 of chapter 14 of Romans. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. And then the phrase, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Now let me apply it to food and anything else. If you sit down to a meal and someone brings you a decent portion of food, and then even if they bring you and say, would you like some coconut pie with whipped cream and maybe you know whatever else they got on it, you say, okay. If you eat the coconut pie and then they come back and say, would you like another piece of coconut pie? Now, probably if you got issues with food, you say, well, I would hate to be rude and turn that down. Why, certainly I would be very gracious and accept. Here's how it works. If you don't believe you are supposed to eat that next piece of pie, it's sin. If you can't do it, believing it's what God wants you to do, then it's sin. Whatsoever is not of faith, is sin. You say, well, that's ridiculous. You'd have to ask that question about everything in your life. Exactly. So you go buy a car, you sit there in that little tiny room where they, you know, constrict you and try to think you can't get out and, you know, okay, I'll buy it. Can I go home now? You know, that kind of feeling. Before you make any decision, you say, Father, is this something you want me to do? Because if it's not, then I'm adding some sin to my life because I haven't asked you. I'm not obeying you. He said, well, Richard, you can't scrutinize your life and do every little thing like that, or you'll just, you'll be a mess. No, you won't be a mess. You'll be a mess if you don't. And if you don't draw some lines and have some boundaries and listen to the Holy Spirit, 
See, if I truly have as a believer, I have Jesus, you know, God himself living within me, then Jesus knows when he's full. Trust me. He knows when he's had enough and when I've had enough, and he'll say, that's good, we're fine. He say, oh, no, but one little more, and, you know, how many times, I mean, I've got this deal. It's not really ice cream anymore, but I'll, you know, it's late at night, and I'll go get me a bowl of Cheerios or, or if there's any, you know, Lucky Charms, that's probably better. It's got that little crunchy thing to it. So, <laughs> you know, you can be up in the middle of the night sneaking around the kitchen. We got people, you know, they got to do research and they know that people wake up and just kind of, kind of somnambulism. They kind of walk in their sleep and end up, you know, eating and they're asleep eating. I haven't tried that excuse yet, but that would be a brilliant one. Oh, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> now, see, some of you are laughing about this, but for some people in the room and some people listening beyond here, this is a big deal. Because food is an enemy almost, and it is not intended to be that way. So if you eat at the end of a meal and what you have to say is, I'm stuffed, something's wrong. You should never be stuffed. If you walk away from a table going, oh, I ate too much. If those words are coming out of your mouth, you're out of line because you shouldn't have eaten too much. And you feel bad, you know, you're not going to live as long, you're endangering your own life. But no matter what doctors tell you, Unless the Holy Spirit himself begins to restrain you, nothing's going to change, right? Everybody loves this sermon, I can tell already. <laughs> Let me give you one more about this out of Galatians 5. Turn over to Galatians 5 and 22. Galatians 5, 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And everybody loves the first part of this list. It goes love, joy, peace, and then it goes long-suffering, kindness, See, love, joy, and peace sound like nice things. Oh, that'd be nice to have. Love, joy, peace. And then long-suffering, that means I got to suffer a long time. I don't want to do that. I got to be kind, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then this monster one at the end, self-control. Whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, what it gets down to is that the Spirit is working in your life. One of the things you're going to have is self-control. And when it comes to food, that is going to be manifest in your life in some way. And it literally can affect your testimony, if not your own health. All right, the next one, the next stuffed is this. It's kind of a twist on the word stuffed. And we've got so much stuff that we're just stuffed. We moved out of a house the other day and moved from a larger home into a smaller home. And... It took us two weeks to get all the stuff from one place to the next, and I still got stuff in the garage and would love to get some of that stuff out of there, but it takes time just to get through the stuff that you don't even need. And then Christmas comes along, and what happens? We get under this load of getting stuffed again. And we, you know, thank God somebody came up with exchanging names. You ever do this in your house? Because used to be you just bought everybody something. Now we've narrowed it down to where you pick a name and now you're buying one gift. But I go to the store and am looking for stuff that I know the person doesn't want. They don't need. They're going to take it back or it's going to be, oh, thank you so much. You know, what is this? I hate this. You know? We've always had these things suggested and I'd love for it to actually happen. How about one year we just add up what we were going to spend on stuff that nobody wants or needs and give it to somebody who really needs something and go to dinner together. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, you're running Christmas. It's all about exchanging those worthless gifts. 
I'd rather, you know, one, I remember one Christmas one year, what we decided is we didn't have a lot of money. This is when I was younger and my mom and dad, my mom was still alive. And you had to make something. We drew names and I had to make something to express my appreciation, a gift for somebody else in the family. Now that took some doing. And coming up with something that was personal. Do not get sucked in. Because what happens is even when an economy is rough, is that people start saying, okay, everything's bad, people losing their jobs, but we've got to keep the level going. We've got to maintain and keep up and do whatever we used to do the same way we used to do it when we know we've got less money. So what happens? God blesses us with that extra credit card that shows up in the mail that they're, you know, it's, oh, God help us, and then more credit cards show up, and we think, well, that'll fix it. I'll go charge all these gifts and then we'll worry about it later. You know what? It'll crush you later. Sit down with your children, or if you got little bitty kids, make it special for them. Look at your wife and say, look, we got nothing. We're going with what we got. I love you. You love me. We got each other. Let's have a meal and Merry Christmas and not get overloaded with this stuff. Who are you keeping up with anyway? And if you go buy all this junk and it's not of faith, it's what? It's sin. So now you're bringing all this junk. One of the most powerful things you could do, we sat down with the girls the other day and the economy's changing and you know things affect my wife's business and said, look, this is how it is. Communicate with your kids. If you act like everything's okay all the time, they never hear any reality. And what they need to hear is, oh wow, things are good, things are bad, things change. What do we do? You adjust, you don't spend as much, you tighten things up and you keep moving. And you don't do anything without the Holy Spirit's permission or you're going to get yourself in trouble. If nothing else, just internally. Go to Ecclesiastes 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 and following. And if you don't know much about the Bible, the guy that wrote you know, most of Ecclesiastes here, he had some stuff. I mean, there's not anybody much more stuffed than Solomon. I mean, he was it. And he writes about his stuff and all his pursuits of pleasure and all this stuff. And here's what he comes up with. Ecclesiastes 5, part of what he comes up with in verse 10 and following. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. Ever notice that? The more you got, then all of a sudden the more people to consume what you got show up. The entourages, the posses, all these rock stars make all this money. they got to feed everybody on the planet. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun, riches kept for their owner to his hurt. But those riches perish through misfortune, when he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And he shall take nothing from his labor, which he carried away in his hand. And this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? Perspective even about money. Then Luke chapter 12, let me just read this to you, verse 15. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Whatever it is you're chasing, once you catch it, it's probably not going to fix it. 
And I think we can go around the room, bunch of seats in here and say, did you catch what you're after? I caught it. Did it work? No. Because there's nothing outside of you going to fix what's missing on the inside unless it's Jesus himself. That's all going to fix that emptiness. And the third one I want to talk about being stuffed is another one of the definitions for literally being stuffed. And it's simply this, to fill in particular an animal skin to restore its natural form for mounting or display. And unfortunately, there are too many Christians that are just stuffed. And it's only for display. And it's basically just an animal skin with nothing in it. Are you just a stuffed Christian that should be mounted somewhere or just put out for display? I'm always fascinated when I go to funerals. People walk by a casket and look in, and what do they say? Oh, he looks so natural. (laughs) They're dead. But we fix it all up, don't we? Even death, we figured out a way to put it in a box and put makeup and make it look, oh, so natural. And unfortunately, people look at us. They're not supposed to be looking at us saying they're dead. They look natural. They're supposed to be looking at us going, they look supernatural. There's something different about you. And especially during the holiday seasons, I'm telling you, maybe you got stress, maybe you got problems, everybody in the world's got challenges, you have got to be on your A game because people are sucking air and do not know what to do. We were saying, are you, are you telling us we're supposed to act like Christians and try to be a good witness and encourage people? No, I'm just saying, don't act like anything. Be what you're supposed to be. Live it. Watch for opportunities. Listen to what people are saying. There are people around you who don't want to live, and they're looking for answers, and just a simple giving a reason for the hope that's within you can make all the difference in their life. Give them a reason to live. Go to Matthew 23, New Testament. We're almost done, because I'm running out of verses in voice. I've read this before, and I'm sure maybe you've heard it or read it before, but this stuff rings and resonates with me to try not to be this. Matthew 23, Verse 25, and this is Jesus blasting the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. It's very fascinating, this phrase that he says, First clean the inside. If you get the inside clean, the outside will get clean. And I've said this before, religion has this tendency that we bring people off the street, out of the world, and they come in with their tattoos and their long hair, whatever it is we think is weird and we don't accept, and we say, well, you know what, we're not comfortable with you that way. If you'll get a haircut and wear something different and take a bath and do what we think is appropriate, then you can be with us. And we start from the outside because that's who we are. Instead of looking at the person and go, okay, who cares who they are on the outside? If we get them a new heart, that'll change from the inside out. It just happens naturally. And it's not about conforming to us. It's about them being who God wants them to be. Let me read it again. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. And then he goes on, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones 
and all uncleanness. Now you say, well, that's not me. I don't know. Is that you? Is that me? You know what? That is me. A lot of the time, that is me. One of the horrible things about being a pastor is I have to keep it going to a certain degree, even if I don't have it going on the inside. And I've been doing this long enough that I can say the right words and greet you properly and just keep moving. And maybe you don't really know what's going on. But I know this, if I were not a pastor and when I was in business before, it doesn't take, and I've had this conversation with too many people, it doesn't take but two Sundays for you to be way, way out there. If I stopped reading my Bible today and I stopped praying today and I said, I'm going to go on hiatus from Scripture, from prayer, and from fellowship with other believers, and I'm just going to hang out and chill for one month, I would be so far from God, you wouldn't believe it. And I promise you, we can get people to stand up and verify that you slipped off the path, you just stopped checking, you stopped doing what you were supposed to be doing, and all of a sudden you drifted and found yourself in some place you never dreamed you'd end up. You may be a Christian, but you're just a stuffed Christian. We can put you on a wall and say, well, that's what a Christian that acts like a Christian looks like, but that ain't no Christian the way the book talks about it. Don't spend your life just cleaning up the outside. Anybody can take a bath and come to church. You know, how hard is that? But we all got troubles. But start from the inside and say, you know what, God, person of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to be this dead person on the inside, just stuffed. Something that just needs to be on display. I don't want to be on display. I want you to live, really live in me and through me. And then there may be people who come into these things, and I try to remember this, who go, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you come in here and go, you know, what are these people doing? You wouldn't still be listening, and you wouldn't be here at all unless somebody was drawing you, and that somebody's not me. There's a real God who really loves you, who really let his son come here and live and die and be buried and raised from the dead to have your life changed and to get you forgiveness of sins, a ticket to heaven, an abundant life. Everything you're looking for, He provides. It's not packaged always the way we think it should be. Jesus didn't come the way they thought He should come either. But I can tell you from personal experience and lots of people I know, it works. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. You're going to have troubles either way you go. It's better to suffer for doing right than doing wrong. And I encourage you to think about these things and to read the scriptures and to spend some time with other believers and say, look, you know, I don't think you're one of these stuffed Christians. I think you're for real. Talk to me. Tell me, what is it? How do you get this? What do I do? It is a simple prayer away, really. And if you get any of this and something's stirring in your heart like it was when I was a little kid, I knew there was a battle for my soul. 
There's one part of me was saying, get away from this. And the other part of me, somebody else was saying, it's me. It's me trying to love you and get you. If you hear that it's me trying to help you, that's God himself drawing you to himself. And all you got to do is say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I understand that Jesus died for me. It seems like a crazy story, but it finally makes sense. I deserve to die. I'm carrying around all this sin, all this junk. I understand that he died to pay for my sins, shed his blood, was buried and raised from the dead, and you're offering me the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, and I'm going to say thank you and accept. I accept the gift of eternal life. I accept the forgiveness of my sins. I ask you to come live in me and through me and change me from the inside out and make sense of all this and help me help somebody else make it to you the way you intended. That's as easy as it gets. And people say, well, you're oversimplifying it. No. People say that's too easy. And my question is always, easy for who? Maybe easy for us. But it costs God his only son to get this deal done. So it's not easy. It's the most expensive gift ever purchased. And I'd highly recommend not saying no thank you. I'd encourage a thank you and just let him love you and change you. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.